All right, Triple B in the house here, welcoming you back to another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. I am the tr- one and only Triple B, or maybe the second and only Triple B. Either way, Nathan Stacking here alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krenz. Uh Travis, uh, besides you, me, and Triple B, or uh, LeVar Ball, how we doing? We're doing good. Summer's over, pretty much. School here starts tomorrow as we talk, so... That's crazy. We got a football, got a football game Friday night. Mitchell plays football next week, so yeah, summer summer would be gone because school starts, and I consider that the end of summer. How is it that school is starting in the middle of August? And when correct me if I'm wrong, but don't schools in South Dakota get out like just the like a couple days before Memorial Day? Then yeah, a little bit before Memorial Day. Sometimes it's. Middle of May. I will have graduation like the middle of May. So, yeah, they go uh, through through uh, well, a couple of weeks before Labor Day and then around Memorial Day. So, yeah, it's, it's nine months and make some time for Labor Day off. So, yeah, it's a long year. Yes, it certainly sounds like it. Um, so, yeah, school beginning. We have very nice weather, though, very mild temperatures. Mid to upper 70s, uh, some thunderstorms potentially in the area uh, throughout the the remainder of the week. But this is much, this is the type of summer weather that I like. Mid to upper 70s with a shot of thunderstorms and getting a a random thunderstorm here or there. This is like nice warm fall weather. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, yeah, we'll see. see. I'm sure there's another 90 degree run left in it here before we get towards... I mean, it, it, it can be hot in September. It can be 90 okay. degrees in September. Yep. So, got some rain this week. And, yeah, at least it's, yeah, okay. We, we, we've turned the air conditioner off the past couple of days. So, that's been nice. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can, you'll take that whenever you can. And it's always nice to be able to uh, open up those windows at night. Uh-huh. Let that cool breeze come in. That's the best. Uh, yeah, that was good. Last week was the first weekend uh, up until... February the end uh, till the middle of February that there's football on. So every weekend from now until uh, Super Bowl Sunday in February, there will be football. How much does that excite you? Not very much at all. <laughs> I figured as much. Uh, so no. you then don't have any takes on preseason week one. I uh, went to Sioux Falls. Went to Buffalo Wild Wings Sunday. So I saw most of the second half of the Vikings game. Were you impressed by Kellen Mond? Yeah, they had some running back. I don't know who he was. He was good. Tyson Chandler, Uh, probably, the rookie from North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. He was good. Uh, Kellen Mond looked good. Obviously, Mike Zimmer didn't like Kellen Mond because he didn't start him last year Mm -hmm. in that game against the Packers or at the end of the season when there was nothing to play for. Against the Bears, um, man, Kellen Mond looked good. Like he should play. Like if it was up to me, he would play like the entire preseason. Mm-hmm. You would give Kirk Cousins a half or three quarters or whatever, two and a half quarters, mm-hmm. whatever you want to give Kirk Cousins. But other than that, Kellen Mond should play the rest of these games. Sean Mannion, we know what he is. He's been around for a while. Uh, he's not going to get any better. He is what he is. And uh, Kellen Mond, he can grow. This is only a second season, so there's some uh, development and improvements, hopefully, for him. And mm-hmm. 
I don't understand that because Kirk Cousins never uh, gets hurt. He never misses games except when he gets COVID every year. So, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, he's not going to get hurt, you wouldn't think. Um, so, Kellen, I mean, this is his shot to play, so I don't know why. Uh, why the rest of this preseason, they've already failed, but why Sean Mannion should get any snaps. Yeah, I, uh, when we got a, a second-year quarterback who may might be your next quarterback, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So I mean, after that, like, why why would you play Sean Mania? What what good is it? There is none to give him twenty or thirty more snaps, and those could go to to Kellen Mond. I I don't understand that. The only it, possible explanation is that. Um, Mannion needs those reps in case, like, if he is the solid number two, if he's a solid backup to Kirk Cousins, and you need him to get those reps uh, to get the offense down in case Kirk Cousins gets COVID again, which he's already gotten it, what, twice? Uh, so yeah, he could get it again. He could miss a very important game. In there, remember you missed sure the Green Bay game uh, last year that all that that ended any chance that the Vikings had of uh, a late playoff push. So, I mean, for for me, from my standpoint, I I, I agree. I think Kellen Mond should get more of the snaps, and I don't know why the Vikings keep bringing Sean Mannion back. He does nothing for me. I would be. I think Kirk Cousins likes him. Oh well, okay. Well, then then there's that. I guess. I just think Kellen Mond is, yeah, you want to see what you have in the future with him, so why not play him as much as possible? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense why Sean Manning, and again, he shouldn't be the backup. I mean, he played against the Packers. I mean, it, no. Nothing he's going to do in this preseason is going to help him at all should he play in any game during the regular season. No, he's, no. And he shouldn't play anyway. It should be Kellen Mond. Only reason why he should play is if the first two guys get hooked. So, yep. that's the only thing I saw. I saw running back do good, and I saw Kellen Mond do good, and that was about it. I, the Vikings are incredibly deep at running back. I wonder if they will keep all four running backs on the roster. I would almost think they, they have to or they should. If not, who are you going to – are you going to dangle um, – uh, um, Madison? Addison, yeah, yep. Uh, are you going to dangle him for trade bait? Are you going to take – uh, a flyer and, and try and trade Dalvin Cook. I mean, it, it's one of the t- one of those two because I think Ngongwe has a lot of potential. Chandler, I think certainly um, you're not you're gonna you know, you're gonna keep the rookie you drafted him after all unless he bombs it in in training camp here and in the preseason. But I almost think you have to keep all four running backs. I mean, it, I don't think it's even a question if they keep all four running backs. The Vikings are the deepest team in the league in the backfield. Yeah, I think they'll keep all four because they – the first two and then Cook will probably get hurt a few games. And he drafted the guy to North Carolina. He seems to be really fast. And, uh, yeah, in Ghana and Ganaway, he was good last year as a kick returner. And you can have – I mean, have both of those running backs should be your kick returners. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, keep four, C.J. Ham. Like, does CJ Ham need to be a part of this team anymore? He's done fine in his role, but I think so. I it, I guess are, are they? Is this going to be a difference, or are they going to use him as much as they have in years past with this new offense? I don't know. I would guess yes. I, I I would say if if they keep him, then they will utilize him more. If it's not an integral part of Kevin O'Connell's team, then then no, they they can get rid of him. But I would think that Ham's going to make the team. 
then my two favorite players in the draft, uh, Nicobe Dean, went to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be great. I think he'll be a pro bowler. Yep. I think he'll be one of the best players in the draft. Yep. Where did he go? In the fourth round, fifth round, wherever he went? He went yeah. in the third round. Yeah, third round. Late third round. It was very late. Yeah. Should have been a first-round pick. Yep. And uh, the Bills punter from San Diego State. Oh, that's... Matt, uh, Matt Ariza. Yes. Yep. I mean... What, he was the third punter taken? He was taken in the, what, the sixth round? Um, If he were ever to take a special teams player, a kicker, in the second or third round. I mean, this guy, we talked about him uh, coming up, and now he's booting 70, 80-yard punts. Yeah. Some of the folks, oh, he he kicks it too far. Your coverage can't get down there. And we said, well, if you're kicking the ball 70 fucking yards, nobody's going to be able to catch it, so it doesn't matter. Don't even have to have anybody cover it, and had an 82-yard punt this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he—I mean, Christ! I mean, like, God forbid, you know that. Oh my gosh, we only got a net of 50 yards out of that. Oh, wait. you're at the goddamn 10-yard line. He's kicking it from inside his 10. It went to the goddamn back of the end yes. zone. Yes, yes. <laughs> like this, this, this shit isn't that hard. This shit isn't that. It, it seems like people come up with reasons why uh, people aren't good. Nicole yeah. Dean's got an injury. So yep. fucking what? If he gets hurt, he'll rehab. will come back next year. Mm-hmm. This guy kicks it. He kicks it too far. No, he doesn't. He's a great fucking punter. Mm-hmm. And the Bills, if this guy doesn't, I mean, this guy should be their punter. And the, the, the shit is not that hard. Nope. It just isn't. We make it harder than it is. The, I think that's a great weapon for Buffalo to have in that Holy weather. shit. I mean, it, yes. it, it's... It's absolutely critical for him to bomb 82-yard punts in Buffalo. I mean, sign me up for that. They can utilize him in that swirling wind or whatever. That's a huge asset for them. So I would love to see what he does actually, you know, kicking field goals. What what is his experience doing that? How is he oh, how is he how is he done with that? I'm surprised there are not more kickers out there that that do both mm-hmm. or have ever done both. That, that can save you a roster spot. It is kicking, for Christ's sake. It yep. is You're not going to exert yourself too damn much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to save a roster spot so you don't have to have two kickers, you can save that for another spot. And if you can have a kicker that could do both, that, that could be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it, they say sometimes it's a kind of a different motion. But, yeah. I mean, he did it. I mean, this guy did it at San Diego State. He kicked and punted. So I think you know one of the. I think I can figure it out. I think one of the things that they were kind of curious with because they have Tyler Bass there in Buffalo as the field goal kicker, and Ariza or Ariza said the, the the punter that he has never held for kicks before. But I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out. They'll get that down in training camp. But he had always kicked and punted. So for a punter to to have never held for an extra point or a field goal is a little obscure because that's kind of what. They do now. It always used to be like the backup quarterback or whatever. Yeah, and well, what, uh, who's the backup? Uh, what's his nuts? He can hold. Uh, Vikings guy. Oh, uh, oh, um, Case, yeah, Case, yeah. Case, uh, Case, Case Keenum. Case Keenum. I'm yes. sure Case Keenum has held. Let him hold the punts. Yes. Let, let him hold the field goals. Yeah, I mean, I think that would uh, suffice. So, yeah, that was, I think, one of the. That may have been the play of the preseason, and that uh, that Asamoah, the linebacker for Oklahoma, uh, from Oklahoma for the Vikings, boy can he fly! He made a play uh, hitting a, a Raider in the backfield uh, in the first half. There, it was just a tremendous play, a great read by him. He's going to be a very fun guy to watch on this defense. 
What was the dog against him? He's too small. What is he? He's six feet two twenty-five. Again, I don't care if can you play, can you run, can you tackle, can you defend. I don't give a shit how tall you are. Mm-hmm. It just it just seems it's like it's ridiculous. It just seems ridiculous. It does. Um, and I was disappointed Zach Wilson didn't tear his ACL. I was really hoping. <laughs> no, I th- that he'd be. Out. I was really hoping he'll be out probably for the, a game or two. But yeah, it, it, it did. It wasn't very serious, and I wish it was. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we. I guess if we ever wish an injury upon someone, it would be Aaron Rodgers. But um, yeah, when I saw this report that oh Zach Wilson just went down a non-contact injury, I'm like, okay, he's done for the year. It's got to be an ACL, and they're like, oh, it's just a meniscus. And the surgery went well. He'll miss, you know, like two to four weeks or whatever. So he's going to miss. He's likely to miss that first game against Baltimore, which is a big deal because it means Joe Flacco is going to play for the Jets and go against his former team. And he's already admitted that it won't be just any regular game that's going against the team that he helped win a Super Bowl for. But, yeah, I mean, it would have... It's not a huge deal overall. We thought this was the end of the world for the for Wilson and the Jets, and unfortunately, uh, he can't go. Um, you know, have fun with his friends' moms. I guess now during the Damn. regular season, he's Damn. just going to have to uh, get back in the playbook, get back on the field. You said it, not me. Yep, <laughs> that I did. All right. Uh, we have college football uh, coming up. It kicks off here in a couple of weeks with week zero. Uh, we are less than two weeks away from that. Do you want to discuss any college football stuff? There is, of course, the media deal. But, uh, I mean, with Charlie was on last week. He's on. He'll be on this week and the, the couple of weeks leading up to the college football season. Uh, as we break it down, is there anything that you want to break down this week or should we wait? No, I am ill-prepared. Uh, well, we got games next Saturday. We got a yep. couple. We got yep. uh, what, Nebraska and Northwestern over in Ireland. Yep. So that'll be uh, Vander- that's really the only game of note. Vanderbilt, Hawaii in the Big Island. That's the big one. Uh, that's exciting. That, that stadium they got to play in Hawaii for years now. For years they got to play in this small, small stadium. Yep. So, yeah, that, that first Saturday, that is not much there. Um, then you get to something on that Thursday night, so yeah, a couple weeks away yet. Uh, what are, what are we? What are the big? Which I guess Georgia, Oregon. That should back up. Maybe a goddamn romp. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia might might win that easily. Um, Cincinnati and Arkansas should be all right. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I don't know that for USDs at Kansas State. People like USD. Uh, Jackrabbits play Iowa. That would be a good uh, game. No- Notre Dame, Ohio State, week one, top five matchup. Mm-hmm. LSU, Florida State on Labor Day Monday, so that's a good one. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Clemson at Georgia Tech, that's Monday. I mean, oh, Monday, that doesn't yeah. do anything LSU, for me. LSU, Florida State, Sunday night, excuse me. Yeah. Clemson, like, get, Georgia Tech Get some Monday. better games. Like, yeah. okay, Monday, Labor Day, Clemson at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Doesn't do a Wait, lot. What, what, that seems like a fucking October 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, because Georgia Tech. Why, why is this Monday, September 5th? It's a good question. It's an like one. you could pick a dozen games that you'd put on other than that. So, yeah, we'll see. Not buying into the USC hype. You've got to do, you've got to do something first. Win, win that conference first uh, before you do anything. So, I got it. Yeah, college football. I mean, it's just the same old team, just you know, 
top five poll came out, and it's Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. I've, I've been doing some prep work here, and um, I, I think there's going to be a there has the potential to be a couple of surprises, um, either from the SEC or maybe we're looking at a, a playoff team from the Pac-12 or other. There is a there is a team I have on my. Um, on my list that I think has the potential to pull off a Cincinnati-like run this year and perhaps make the college football playoff. I'm not going to oh, give it Cincinnati, away right Cincinnati finally got there. They did all right. They played, what, they play Alabama? Yes, they did. They held them. They, 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 were, they were It was all right. Yep. Didn't get completely embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah. Utah's at seven. They had a good year. They won it all last year for the... Uh, Pac-12, Michigan made it. So, I mean, Michigan and Cincinnati, those are two two different teams. Yep. That made it last year. So, wow, that was that was good to see. Uh, North Carolina State at 13, that seems ridiculous. <laughs> um, there's always that top 10 team that, finish, that finishes unranked. Yep. Yeah, North Carolina, Iowa State last year. Yep. Disappointed. Uh, Texas A&M at 6. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Ooh, I mean, I don't know. Go, go, go 9-3, and 10-3. Finish fifth in the conference. Texas A&M. I probably hate Texas A&M more than any other team right now. Yeah, just because you want them to prove it. Are they? Are they like the Villanova? Yes. Are they like the former Clemson now of college football? Are they the new Clemson? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Except I don't want them to succeed. It's all, all this recruiting class. I hate recruiting. Uh, by all means, they should. I mean, they got. They're at Alabama. They should be five and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. When that game happens, and that should be you know number one versus number three or four. Um, their their schedule not difficult if, uh, as far as an ACC schedule. They, they they play Miami, they play Arkansas at home, they play Florida at home, they play LSU at home, they play them all at home, they play Old Miss at home. Who is this? Two road games. A&M. Two road games of huh? You're, this is A and M you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Two road games of any significance: Alabama and Auburn. That's it. I mean, Christ, they only play four road games all year. So, right. yeah, I think I kind of picked them to be in the playoff once last year. Like, there's no reason they shouldn't go 11 and 1. I agree. It's good. I agree. Yeah, if they go 11 and 1 and lose to Alabama, they'll be in the playoff. So. I agree. I I agree. I think that's a that's one of the teams I'm I'm looking at here. I think there's a surprise potentially in the SEC for me is uh, Tennessee. I think Tennessee could do very well this year. Um, Josh Heupel, another, um, this is his second year. He's kind of got that establishment there. I'm looking at that Pac-12 South. I think there is the potential for a playoff team in there. Utah, really good. I, I am buying a little bit of the USC hype. And then, um, uh, we're breaking it down. Uh, I will be talking about it with Charlie here. We're going to do the Big Ten and the Pac-12 this week. And I'll be curious to hear what his thoughts are on, on, like UCLA and, and USC in particular, but if I'm looking at UCLA's schedule this year, they have an absolutely ridiculously easy schedule. Uh, maybe easiest in the Pac-12 by far. And, I mean, the most difficult game is going to be at Oregon October 22nd. Otherwise, they go to Colorado, they go to Arizona State, they go to Cal, they get USC at home. I mean, that's... I think like Georgia perhaps has the easiest schedule this year out of anyone. If we're looking at Georgia's schedule, 
They don't play anyone of like Oregon on a neutral site. That's potentially. I mean, that's in, and that's in Atlanta, is it not? Right, it is. It is. I mean, that's yeah. That's, I mean, that's all you have road games against South Carolina. South Carolina should be better with Spencer Rattler as their quarterback. Uh, you know, the neutral site game of Florida, they'll they'll stomp them. They're at Mississippi State. They're at Kentucky. Uh, but they get Tennessee at home, and I think that Tennessee is a uh, intriguing game there. I mean, that's really all, the only thing of note for Georgia. I mean, when when you play four road games, I mean, come on. A lot of these teams only play four games on the road. Yep. And they're all in conference. So you should you should go like 11-1 and one or 12-0. and all. I love Kentucky. Give me Kentucky. I agree. I have Kentucky. If, if I want to go bold, I'll take Kentucky to, to get to the SEC title game. And if, if, they, if they're at Kentucky, they can beat Georgia late November. They got her on the table. But I'm, I'm sure they'll be like nine and three, eight and four. But I have them Kentucky. Th- that might be my team this year. I have them at nine and three, with a win over Georgia. I have Georgia with one loss. With a win over Georgia. Yes. Yes. We'll say losing two. Uh, Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee all on the road. All on the road. And I could see them easily beating Florida. So I mean, you could. Hey, if they could lose to Georgia, it'd still be nine and three with those other two losses against Ole Miss and Tennessee, or they could be ten and two. Like, yeah, I I agree. I think Kentucky's a team to watch out for in the SEC East. And you've got a, what a non-power five team that you like? I do, I do. Do you want me to give it away right now? Sure. Okay, BYU. I like BYU. BYU has a lot a lot of talent back. Uh, their quarterback is. Really good. Let me uh, let me see if I can get this uh, pulled up here quick. Where? I mean, yeah, they, they're, they're at, I mean, they got a tough schedule. I mean, they, uh, that schedule, a little tough. A little tough for my blood. I know, but I think you look at, let's see here. Okay, I got this. I look at them as like a 7-5, 8-4. And and you start with South Florida. Okay, that's fine. But you get Baylor at home. I mean, that's, you get, or you're at Oregon. I think that's the toughest one that they have. Notre Dame is going to be tough, but that's a neutral site game in Vegas, so there'll be a heavy BYU presence there. I mean, otherwise, you got East Carolina, Stanford. Get, you get the get the hell out Arkansas, of Arkansas, they play Arkansas. They do play Arkansas. Can you imagine that, like the, the, the Arkansas faithful traveling up to, to Provo, Utah for a 10-15? What odd games. What odd games they have this year. Yeah. Baylor and... Arkansas. Well, I mean, they, they are independent this year. This is the last that is BYU odd. is that independent. That is crazy. It's a tough schedule, yes, but they do get some of these games at home. I think the t- most difficult game is at Oregon. Um, BYU would be that team on the outside. I think certainly like the non-Power 5, that would be the team I think that gets into a New Year's 6 game, BYU, and maybe could sniff the playoffs. BYU is my team to watch out for this year. Those top three, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. I mean, you feel like they're all three going to make it. More than likely, yes. And then it could... they got, they, they, Clemson, Clemson still got that quarterback who was a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I think that four spot is up for grabs. So. Yeah, it is. Uh, DJ Uwangale. Um... I'm sorry. Yep, uh, we'll be keep we'll keep practicing that throughout the season. I don't know. I mean, Clemson. Could, I think I just have questions regarding Georgia. If one loss 
going into the SEC. Like, they almost need to be undefeated going into the SEC championship game this year. Because if they lose to Alabama in that game, they're not getting in with two losses. So, I, they just have to replace a lot on defense. And I don't know. I mean, Brock Bowers is an incredible tight end for them. But I, I don't know. Something just makes me a little hesitant on taking Georgia this year. Yeah, it could be. And then you have to go for like another solid eight and four. It looks like seven and five potentially. I think the ceiling's nine yeah. and three with this team. I really do. And and hopefully, uh, I don't think so. But hopefully, these folks don't get tired of going eight and four every year. Right. Right. Like you should be happy to do that for the end of time. Mm-hmm. You you won ten games a couple of years ago. Yep. Fucking incredible. So yep. be fine. Yeah, they should. If they, you know, they got. 3-0 probably we're going into oh, yes. Michigan State. And yep. if they can win that, they should be 6-0. So, yep. Yep. And then uh, and then Nebraska's got to gotta, gotta get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got to pile up some wins because I don't see them winning any game in November. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, I think they lose all of them. Yeah, I agree. So. I think Minnesota's the easiest game of that bunch, and that's by no means an easy one. And I think they should... Should have got to a good start. It could be, you know, like five and two, six and two, and that should be enough. Very intrigued by this SDSU Iowa game because Iowa's offense is dreadful. Their defense is very good, but very few teams are as high powered offensively as the Jackrabbits are at the. I mean, certainly at the FCS level. But they can compete, I think, with a lot of FBS level teams here. Certainly in the the lower conferences. But there's there's no reason why they can't put up a bunch, uh, you know, some yards and try and you know get some points. If they don't turn the ball over, uh, I think that's the key. But if if uh, we find out Saturday late afternoon that SDSU has beaten Iowa, it's not going to be a huge shock to me. No, SDSU is probably a top fifty team in the country. Mm-hmm. Top 60? Yep, I would say so. So, yeah, this will be a good test. Still waiting for that first that first big win. Kansas doesn't count. Colorado State doesn't count. Knock off a... I mean, Iowa is always good. Mm-hmm. They're the best team in that division every year, most, most of the time. Them in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That'd, that'd be a great win. That'd be their best win they've ever had. So, yeah, they're on Gronowski, if he's back. Isaiah Davis, I think he's better than Pierre Strong. He's uh, a bigger home run hitter. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I think it's that case of we had Nate Walters and then Mike Dom came along. And then you've, you've seen all the quarterbacks they've had through the years. Each one gets better, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And Pierre Strong is great. They best, got, second, third best running back they've ever had. And they got this recruit coming out of Texas to play quarterback, too. I think that's a, supposed to be the real deal. So, yeah, it's it's been exciting. Still got to win that national title, but mm-hmm. should be a good, 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 good chance for a very good win. Yes. Yep. I agree. And uh, North Dakota State plays Arizona this year. North Dakota State is going to beat the Wildcats. Be I mean, that's yeah, that'll be. That should be. That should be. I don't know what the line is on that game, but that should be. Or I guess Arizona plays San Diego State. They play who? Do they play Arizona State. Uh, Arizona play uh, no. North Dakota State plays Arizona, but Arizona's first three games at San Diego State, home to Mississippi State, home to North Dakota State. 
Yeah, they, they better beat SDSU because they're going to go on three. Yeah. Yep. That's a. I have. I think. Do I have Arizona at three and nine this year? So triple oh, the win total. Um. But yeah, that's uh I'll, I'll say this about NDSU: they they never really play anybody real all that difficult. I mean, they're an excellent team. Mm-hmm. They're not obviously playing Ohio State or even a Michigan or a Michigan State. Like, they're playing teams they can beat, and they can beat a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. But they're they're I mean they're not playing Oklahoma. Like they're not playing you know yeah. anybody like that. So did you see you know, that the Missouri play, Valley came out with an updated football schedule for 2023 and 2024? Yes. And did you see the three teams that SDSU doesn't get to face? It's the three worst teams in the conference. Yep, that's a bunch of bullshit. So yeah, what uh, Indiana State, Western Illinois, maybe Murray State, and Murray State. Yep. Now, thank goodness so. NDSU doesn't play Murray State. I think they also don't play Indiana State, but they do get Western Illinois. I just think that's like how that that seems very suspicious. But I, I guess any team would like. I I just don't understand why you pick SDSU to to not play the three worst teams. You should probably give that to the Bison, considering they're always winning the championship. That's just me yeah. personally. You gotta use some common sense sometimes. There, right, who are the good teams? Because it seems like every year it's we either got all the good teams at home, or all the good teams on the road, mm-hmm. and. Things change throughout the years, but 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 they stay they stay a certain way for a while. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's disappointing. But who knows? Yep, we'll see. We'll, we'll we will see indeed. Other college football news here. We'll we'll, we'll certainly have a big preview. Uh, we'll do a deeper dive in it next week, and certainly the week of. We'll we'll have our predictions for everything. Like that, um, unless you have other college football thoughts before my next. No, well, that was way more than I had. So yeah. Okay. All right. There is significant news on the college football front, though, and really college oh. sports in general. And that is that the Big Ten has agreed to a new media rights deal here coming up in the future. I think it, it expire like it starts in 2024, oh. 2025, something something like that, with Fox as the primary with. CBS and with NBC, they are not doing anything with ESPN. So at the expiration of the current media rights deal, at the beginning of the new one then, ESPN will no longer have any Big Ten games on their networks for the first time since the 1980s. First time really ever, yeah. It's been, since they started, they've had Big Ten almost always. So That's end of an era, but... I think for for the Big Ten, I mean, this is good. I mean, they're still going to be on Fox, right? Yep. Yep. They'll, they'll and, be the and they're, they're going to be on CBS now. So, yes. I mean, they're going to take that SEC. Basically, it's the SEC and the Big Ten yep. uh, trading spots. Yep. And I think that it's, it's kind of a big deal with getting NBC involved there, too, because if the lure of Notre Dame, if they end up joining the Big Ten, hey, we already have that. Uh, media rights deal with NBC. So I think that's in part maybe what the Big Ten is looking at, trying to establish that relationship with Notre Dame should they be forced to join a conference. Um, It sounds like NBC would have the Saturday night game. And as you said, CBS instead of the SEC on CBS, it's going to be the Big Ten on CBS with that that late afternoon game. Because ESPN has that now semi-monopoly on the SEC 
they have it pretty much with the ACC. They have SEC Network and ACC Network. So it's not like it's not like ESPN is going to be lacking for anything. But what I find interesting here is that with the loss of the Big Ten, and it's significant, don't get me wrong, the loss of not having any Big Ten teams or games on your networks is very significant for ESPN. But I wonder now if there will be a renewed focus to use their influence. And by their influence, I'm talking about ESPN to try and get perhaps a merger between the Big 12 and Pac-12 or help keep each of those conferences viable rather than the Pac-12 disintegrating. ESPN now has more uh, of a window, more opportunity to promote these games, you know, the Pac-12 after dark and and making sure that that the Pac-12 and the Big 12, if they don't do a, a mega conference merger, that they each remain viable and the Big 12 doesn't consume the Pac-12. I think that's in ESPN's best interest, and that's what I'm very curious to see if if that will happen at all. But I think ESPN is looking at the loss of the Big 10 as an opportunity to perhaps do more with the Pac-12. Because the Big 12, they've had a couple different times where I thought they were done. Yep. You know, when they lost Nebraska and Colorado and all those folks. Missouri. And, and like Missouri and then Texas, they were going to go to the Big 12, and that never happened. Yep. And then Oklahoma and Texas are going to leave now. Uh, they're two big guns. But then they saved themselves. They had what, BYU and Cincinnati. Houston. Uh, South Florida. So those are you know, solid teams that are usually pretty good at football. Yep. So, C- Central Florida, then, not uh, South Florida. Central Florida. Uh, yeah. and, and, and Houston. And the, and the Pac-12, it's like, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they lose USC and UCLA, which was a stunner. And they haven't added anybody yet. And who, I mean, there's just nothing out there. Like, who do you, I mean, Boise State. Boise well, I mean, State all these, and San Diego State. Do you add a Colorado State in there too? A Utah like State? There's, like, there, there's no big media markets. And, and you look to that. Why Rutgers is in the Big Ten. You look at your media markets. And you look at, all right, who's competitive? Well, Boise State's always good enough. But it's a Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's just nothing out there. You you lose your two teams from Los Angeles. and I mean, what else is there? There's just not well, in, not another major market. You know, Washington and Seattle, they're never good. It's just, you know, a dying conference. I think, you know, the if those teams were all dispersed, you know, that'd make the Mountain West better. That'd make these other, you know, the, the Big 12 would be better. So, I mean, for years now, I've shit on the Pac-12. And I think for good reason because they just haven't been competitive mm-hmm. with the other with the other four conferences, and it should be a, it should be a power four. It's not a power five anymore, and I don't think it has been for for four or five years. It's it's a power four. Big Twelve has saved themselves, and the Pac Twelve is not it's not relevant anymore. So. Yep, but and that's why I think the Big Twelve has to merge with the, or the Pac Twelve has to merge with the Big Twelve. <laughs> Um, and I would even say, like, if the, if the Big 12 sacrificed Central Florida and Cincinnati to the ACC, uh, along with, like, West Virginia and something, so be it. Um, I don't think that's a significant loss in, for the Big 12. Because think about it. If the Big 12 and the Pac-12 were to merge, you would have the you would have pretty much the entire state of Texas outside of Austin and, and College Station. But you still have almost the the entire state of Texas. You have parts of Oklahoma. You have Kansas and Iowa. And then you have the entire West Coast. I mean, I know that the the 
population is heavily centered on the east like that's where you're going to get more viewers but you would have pretty much the entire rights to the central and western part of the united states so i think there is an opportunity there if the pac-12 and big 12 decided to merge to do that otherwise i think the pac-12 has to get together with the mountain west and say hey we gotta we gotta do something here if you want to cut off like the air forces and i don't know the nevadas of the world and send them to the big sky or something like that i'm fine with that but i think the i think the pac-12 is either going to have to merge with the mountain west or is going to have to try and do something with the big 12 because otherwise the big 12 is going to raid them and then you're, you're going to have to, then the Pac-12, or whatever it is at that point, would have to go with the Mountain West, like whatever teams remain, like the Oregon States and the Washington States. Only teams I would want, I'd want Oregon, obviously, that's your number one pick. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, Utah's usually really good, you take Utah. I don't give a shit about Washington, but they're in the biggest city, I guess, in Seattle. And you take Stanford, another team I don't like, and they haven't been good for a while, but because they're Stanford, mm-hmm. you take them. So Oregon, Stanford, Utah, and I guess Washington because they're in a big city. Other than that, you know, Arizona, Arizona State doesn't do much for me. Colorado you know, what, doesn't we, do anything. We, 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 we have not seen in all this realignment the past decade, we have not seen a team that was a Power Five not become a power five they've all moved up they've all improved their spots they've all stayed where they're at but like where does washington state go i feel like if something happens with the pac-12 they probably stay alive somehow some way but if they don't and these other teams go to the the big 12 who is going to fall down again to the mountain west that's that's a drop that's fairly significant drop Mm -hmm. mountain west and wherever else you go like washington state they're just going to Competitively, it's good for them, but money-wise, it'd be horrendous. So we have not seen a big conference team drop down to a, to a group of five. Right. And if that happens, obviously Kansas could be that, uh, but that ain't going to happen. Teams like Rutgers and Vanderbilt, who are just not competitive. But you know what? What happens to a Cal? What happens mm-hmm. to Washington State? Arizona, or, or what happens State. to those teams? And, and, and sometimes you want those teams for for basketball too. Yeah, but, and Ari- uh, but, Arizona's football big runs for, the show. Yeah, yep, football runs the show. But Arizona's big on with basketball. I, I mean, that's the one uh, catalyst, I think, to or the one the the pro the the plus side to having Arizona in a major conference is Wildcat basketball. That's why I'm, I'm just curious how the big. 12 is going to survive. I think it's got to be with some sort of merger or uh, plucking teams away from the Mountain West either or merging with the Big 12 in some capacity. Maybe the ACC can raid a couple, like the, like I said, the Cincinnati, the Central Floridas, the West Virginias there. I I think that's the best way to do to go about this path, but I, I don't know. This is... It, At this point, geography doesn't matter. You know? Yep. Whatever geographical thread we were holding on to with teams in Florida joining the Big 12 and and what the ACC became a decade ago with teams from fucking New York down to Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was out the window once you get once you get those two two California teams in the Big Ten. It's done with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing like, says Big I Ten mean, like From, from yeah. Rutgers to yeah. L.A., 
and everything in between. Like geography doesn't matter anymore. So if you're in the Pac-12, yeah, go go for anybody. Yeah. Like go, it doesn't have to be a team west uh, west of the Rockies or west of west of anywhere. It can be any team. Yep. No, I mean nothing says but, Big Ten football like Rutgers at UCLA, ten uh, fifteen yeah. on a Saturday night on FS1. Yeah. So that's that's just wow. What what a move. What a and apparently they called the Big Ten, apparently. Is that the way it worked? Big Ten didn't call them. They called the Big Ten. Yeah, so uh, well, yes. I think the, the Big Ten provided, or, yeah, the Big Ten provided ESPN with like a seven-year, $380 million deal. Or no, or no like, like UCLA and USC oh, called the Big Ten oh, and um, said, can, can we uh, jump aboard here? And Big Ten's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll take that LA market. Because why would you why would you call them and say, hey, you want to join the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we're a couple thousand miles away from Nebraska, so I guess, yeah. I just know that the Big Ten offered ESPN was like a seven year, three hundred eighty million dollars, like three hundred eighty million per year deal, something to that effect. Uh, but they wouldn't get the marquee game, so it'd be the secondary uh, yeah. se- schedule. And ESPN said, "No, we're, we're not going to do that." And that's why I think ESPN now becomes a bigger player in the stakes of the Pac-12, especially, but in the Big Twelve as well. If if USC can get good, if they're going to be good again, that's huge. That's well, huge for CBS. And yep. If you're going to have Ohio State and USC every year, every couple of years, that's that's pretty good. Them in yes. Michigan, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Well, and don't you? And now we don't get to, we won't get to see Notre Dame at USC on ABC anymore. It's always going to be on Fox more than likely, or CBS yeah. or, or NBC uh, more than likely. It's just it, it's a fascinating deal. Only it uh, multiple ways. But in the sense that ESPN, who has covered the Big Ten since the 1980s, will no longer have Big Ten football or basketball on on tele on their on their programming. It's that's significant, and now I wonder where ESPN goes from there. So, what, what does NBC get? Well, NBC, what games are they getting? NBC will get the well, they'll get a uh, a, a Saturday night game, whatever that. Maybe I'm sure they'll throw some games on Peacock, and I, you're still going to have Notre Dame in the afternoon. So, so just any conference, or what? What are they getting? Nor, uh, NBC. I think they're just getting the Big Ten, and they still okay. have Notre Dame. Okay. Here, who the new Notre Dame announcers are? Um, I have not. Uh, is it? Jack so what, it was it was Drew Brees and Mike Tirico last yes. year. Yep, and Tirico's moving to the Sunday Night Football booth with Chris Collinsworth. You're not going to like this. Um, yeah, let's see. Catherine Tappan's got to be the sideline reporter. Is this correct? I don't know. Probably. Okay. I don't. I'll assume so. I don't um, know why you would change that. But NBC, who, who do we got here? Um, apparently these two called USFL games together this spring. I didn't see any of those games. Apparently, they they did USFL together. I did not watch this. Uh, I watched two minutes of. Uh, so that doesn't uh, help with a hint at all. No, it, it does not. No, it does not. So, all right. Um, I'm trying to think who. Uh, Liam McHugh is Liam McHugh going to call Notre Dame football? Jack Collinsworth is your play-by-play guy. Okay, that's. I think I said Jack. So I, uh, at, at first, um, okay, all right. 
So Jack J- J- Jason Garrett's. Oh God. Oh, holy. Jason Garrett gonna be your analyst for. What happened to Doug Flutie? He was he was fine. Yeah, they kind of canned him a little bit. Uh, or no, years back, and then oh. they they inserted Tony Dungy into the booth, and then Drew Brees last year. Uh, wow, what a hmm. what a combo! That's that's not that that's very underwhelming. Yeah, Jack Collinsworth isn't as bad as his dad, but he does have a smug look to him that kind of makes you want to punch him <laughs> in the face, doesn't it? Like it's very punchy. Sure, he'll do great. So yeah, all right, yeah. well, all right. Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett, come on down. We're gonna you're gonna call Notre Dame football. Yeehaw. So there we go. Uh, we'll have plenty more college football to talk about here in the upcoming weeks as the as we are less than two weeks away from actual games, but the, the official week one uh, comes Labor Day weekend. Let's head to the diamond, shall we? Good. Um the twins stink. Really? The twins are bad. Uh well, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, Jorge Lopez, they get this closer from Baltimore. He's blown two saves. They blow a lead in, against the Angels, lose a couple games they, they probably shouldn't have. They got they lost to the Dodgers. That's understandable. But um, I don't know. Like the, the Guardians are, are ahead of them now in the standings. It just the, the Twins are very underwhelming at this point, and I think there's there's – Certainly, a lot of cause for concern. Yeah, they're fifty-nine and fifty-five. You'd like to be a little better than that. They should. Uh, I think they're going to be a game back. They're up two nothing early against the Royals, and Detroit's up four to one versus Cleveland. So if that holds, it'll be a one-game lead here. So that would be good. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too concerned here. No, one game back with. 50 games to play. I'm fine with that. So they're going to play eight, nine games at the end of the year here. So that's going to decide it in Chicago. Chicago's back in the mix. So it'll be an exciting finish. And that wild card is there as well. They're, they're a game or game or two back of the wild card. And uh, you look at Seattle and Toronto and Tampa Bay. You know, okay, is, is, is Seattle finally going to make it here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I like the Blue Jays and, and, and Tampa Bay. They're usually in there. Yep. Uh, but as is Seattle, are they going to stick around? Yes. Uh, Baltimore sticking around? That's the question. So, That's the big question. I bet Baltimore is the, the shot. If uh, their manager doesn't win uh, AL no. Manager of the Year, then I don't know what it would take to win no. AL Manager of the Year. He, he has to. There's no He has way. to. They're going to I mean, hopefully finish over 500 for a team that lost 110 games last year or something. You look at their playoff chance percentage right now, Baltimore is under 5%. And they are three and a half games up on the Red Sox, who are in, currently in last place. They're only a game and a half behind the Rays and the Blue Jays. And yet, the, the like, Red Sox... I don't Sox, understand. That seems very low. Yeah, but, I mean, 5%, you feel like, you know, you don't call them a favorite, but you feel like they've got like a 15% chance to, to get in this thing. Yeah, the, the, the Red Sox have a 13.2% chance to make the playoffs. Baltimore, 4.6%. The Rays fifty nine percent and the Blue Jays eighty six point six. It just it's it, it feels incredibly low. And the Twins, if we're looking at the Central here, the Twins have a forty two point three percent chance to make the playoffs. The Guardians at fifty seven point nine and the White Sox at fifty percent. That's it. Just I I don't know how they figured out projections and whatnot, but yeah, the Twins have a twenty six percent chance to win the division. 
And I feel fairly confident. I felt confident since like the first month that they're going to win this division. You know, I thought Chicago was going to finish first, twin seconds. Mm-hmm. Then after a month, they're like, yeah, Chicago just isn't getting it done. I think again, it's going to be uh, probably a one-game lead for Cleveland. Uh, for Cleveland, a twenty-six percent chance for the Twins. It just—I think. I mean, I, I think they're winning this. I would be surprised if they don't. You just—it doesn't make much sense to me. So I don't know. It, you just look back to those losses that they've had to the Indians, where they've blown those big leads late. Like in the ninth innings. That's huge, yeah. If you don't do that, you still got a game or two lead. Oh, yeah, easily. And then you have you have those two blown saves by Lopez. Uh, one, I guess, which they won against the Blue Jays, but the one they didn't against the Angels. That's Those are potentially significant because you made a move to acquire Lopez. I guess the one bright spot with the Twins right now, Caleb Thielbar is pitching outstanding as of late. Hopefully that continues. Um, it just... They... And, and now I guess overall the pitching staff isn't doing terrible, but boy, they could use some uh, some energy in that lineup. They've been riddled with injuries. Buxton is, you know, whether or not he plays or day by day is kind of remains to be seen. Kepler was in a massive 0 for 29 slump until he busted out with three hits Monday night. So who knows if that gets them going again it sounds like carlos correa is going to opt out after this year which sucks so it's, it's well i mean he's not having a very good year like i'm going to pay you 35 million you better be at least at least be an all-star mm-hmm. you're not winning mvp but this is not what we paid for it's he's kind of the same thing with josh donaldson too weren't we expecting josh donaldson to put up monster yeah. numbers and, and he and has he been Terrible offensively for the Yankees, so they, they shipped him out of town, and that was good. And Curry at 27 years old, he's got 14 home runs and 39 RBIs. He's at 273. Yeah, it's not. Which I guess is around his. It's not a whole lot different than what he did last year, but offense across baseball was down. Mm-hmm. So I guess if I'm paying you 35 million a year, I would. I don't know. Can I expect 30 home runs? And could you hit? No. It's, yeah, if you drive in more, I mean, RBI's a, not all his fault, but Christ. Yeah. He's not going to drive in even 70 runs. So uh, that's, that's, not, that's not what you pay for. No. So, so if he opts out, that's fine. Do we, do you, so you expect the Twins to bounce back here then? Yeah, I mean, they got Kansas City. I mean, it was disappointing to lose two out of three to the Angels. Emilio Pagan blew, like, Saturday's game or Sunday's game. I think it was Saturday. Chris Pagan again. He's for the. This is not like oh, I'm, I'm going through a rough stretch. Like you look at the last three years, you can make the case he's the worst pitcher in baseball. <laughs> it is. It is beyond ridiculous. It's 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 to the point where you don't blame him anymore. You blame, you know, the front office or the manager for continuing to put him out there mm-hmm. in any sort of a game that's that's undecided. It's, you know, embarrassing for him to be put out there day after day and to give up home runs. Gives up so many home runs. Uh, the 10th inning, they should have lost in the 10th inning when he was out there against the Angels the other night, but Buxton made a great catch to save his ass. So he decided to put him back out there for the 11th. Why not <laughs> give him another chance to blow it? Of course he does. So, like, he's cost him, you know, four or five games. Again, I, I believe if they don't make that Taylor Rogers trade, you know, I don't think it's ridiculous to say they're four or five games better than they are. Mm-hmm. 
just on, on, on the difference of one reliever. Yep. So, boy, that's, yeah. Emilio Pagan, way overdue, way overdue to get the fuck out. So, yeah, they've got Texas coming up, and they should beat up on them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried yet, even though they're not in first place for the first time in a while. I'm not worried yet. They've got Houston next week. That'll be tough. Mm-hmm. they got the Giants. They've been up and down. they got Boston. they got Chicago. they got the Yankees for four more. So, I think they'll be fine. I think they win this division with 85 or 86 wins, I'm going to say. Well, maybe it's a good time to be playing the Yankees right now because the, the Yankees are uh, in a downward spiral right now. I think... Uh, for the month, they as of the recording of this podcast, they were like three and ten, three and eleven, something like that. I mean, they're not good. They're two and eight in their last ten. Offense is is not good. Uh, this, you know, the Yankees got out to that such a hot start, and they were you know first of all like 50, 60 wins, and it's like oh my goodness, look at this team, and all of a sudden the Yankees have just come crashing back down to earth. Like this is, I don't. I still think that this is a, a team that to fear going into the postseason because of what they can do, but ah, I don't know. I don't know if they are the team that – I don't think they can take down the Dodgers. I really don't. Even though Walker Bueller is out for the year, Dodgers are too deep. And right now, if I'm a Yankees fan, I'm a tad concerned. I don't think they can beat Houston. Yeah. We're, we're two months away from some significant playoffs. I, I would – I'm in Houston – Mm-hmm. I think they're. I think they're a pretty heavy favorite at the moment. I would agree. You know, like, yeah, I mean, anybody coming from the AL Central, no. You know, Tampa, Toronto, any of those teams going to make a run? No. I think Houston. Yeah, I think. I mean, Houston Dodgers. Dodgers are on pace for 113 wins. For God's sakes, yes. The only team that's won this much and never made the World Series was Seattle 20 years ago. So, like every other team, they haven't won it, but they've gotten there. And I mean the Dodgers. I like the Mets. Mets are doing well. The Braves. I think Mets and the Braves. Mm-hmm. Right there, one of those two teams can can beat the Dodgers. So I won't pick the Dodgers because they just have not. They haven't done it in the past. But yeah, right now they're they're having an unbelievable season. Like you should be this good when you have that sort of a roster. But yeah, whenever you every uh, you win 110 games, that doesn't happen very often. The Cardinals are up two games on the Brewers as of right now in the NL uh-huh. Central. Do we think the Brewers can make a can come back here, win this division? Will the Cardinals some, you know, taper off at some point? What what I mean, the Cardinals did sweep the Yankees, so that yeah. that's significant in there as well. Um, Brewers have been a disappointment for me. My World Series pick from the National League, so. Yeah, Cardinals may as well give it to them. They're always around. And the uh, the Braves are going to win that wild card. But then after that, you know, Padres and Brewers, uh, two games between them. Phillies are in there. Um, and he got the big suspension for Tatis. That, that hurts. He was about ready to come back. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a big blow. I think so. the Padres are a next-year team. That's not a this-year team. Yeah, and that... Um, Tati Sr., you know, Fernando's father is just like, you know, he's distraught. Like, this is this is destroying his image and whatnot. Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't have taken a, a, a substance. So, Like, you know, he got in a motorcycle accident and broke his wrists. You got to be it's smart. It's like, if I, I, I'm just not doing that. 
if I'm 22 years old and I'm going to make $300 million, mm-hmm. I'm not riding motorcycles. Yep. I'm just not putting myself in that position to get hurt like that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about some of these odds. You know, Seattle leads the wild card now a half game over the Rays and the Blue Jays. And somehow Seattle, they've got like, oh, what is it? They, Seattle's got a 86% shot to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That seems extremely high. I'd put it like at 50-50. Well, though, like I wouldn't be surprised if they miss it. But d- doesn't Seattle get the benefit of beating up on the Rangers, Angels, and A's while the the Rays, Blue Jays, and Orioles could all beat up on each other, and plus they have to deal with the Yankees and the Sox? I mean, the, the AL East is so rugged. Um, like that, I think maybe that's why you have to give could the be. Mariners a better a higher percentage chance because they get to beat up on bad teams while the AL East gets to beat up on each other because they're all good. Yeah, look at this Seattle schedule. It is pretty easy. A lot of games versus Angels, Oakland, and Kansas City, and Detroit, and Texas. There we go. Yeah, so, I mean, they should. You look at the schedule. Yeah. Games against Cleveland. So, I don't help to win seven games against uh, uh, Seattle and Cleveland play seven times. Good. The rest of the year, so that's... There's two two teams, two division teams. I think it may it may have been like Baltimore or Toronto or Tampa and Toronto. I think Baltimore and Toronto, like a week or so ago, was the first of like 15 games they're going to play the rest of the year. That's bad schedule. Like, like how do you? I mean, come on. We're 100 games in, and I've only played a division team once or twice, one or two series already. Come on. I look at this. Uh, the beginning of September for the Mariners is daunting, though. Uh, you have three with the, the Guardians. Then you, you have the Sox for three at home, but the Braves come for three at home. You got two with the Padres. And then it gets easier after that. But that, first, gets, yeah. that first part of the month, that first half, that is it's, – it's not murderer's row, but it isn't by any stretch easy for this team. No, it's a tough stretch. So, you know, they got the Angels in Oakland yes. or Washington this next week before yeah. they got some, some games against Cleveland. And then but, the, the uh, back half of September is incredibly easy. So I think any ground that they lose in that first part of September, they will more than make up for in the latter half of the month. And again, they don't play Houston in August or September. There you Last go. two months of the season, they do not play a division team. That's horseshit. Yep. So you played them... 18 times in the first four months. Yep. Yeah. Even up that schedule a little bit. No reason to to do that, but it happens quite often. Mm-hmm. That it does. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but do you have a hair no. and picture of the, the, the week at all? Uh, have I done Jose Miranda of the Twins? You did uh, back. In, I did. And I do like him. You, yes, uh, he's good. Uh, you did that back at the beginning of May. So if you want to go with him again, I mean, you certainly. No, can. He, he had a rough start, but he's been excellent ever since. So I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be like an all-star type. I think he's going to be very good. So he's really, really, really done well offensively the last couple months. So I'm excited for him. Traded for him in my fantasy league. I like him. Uh, I know who my pitcher is. Let's see who my hitter is. My pitcher, I'm going to pick this guy to win the Cy Young next year already. Okay. His name is Spencer Strider. 
Okay. I, I, he plays, you know. I've heard he of plays. him. I, think, I, I have. I think I, I think I've seen or I've seen him on like a, the box score or something. But uh, tell me who. You he know plays. what Jimmy plays for? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Atlanta. Oh. Atlanta's yeah. got a very good mustache. Yeah. Yes, the mustache uh, guy. He strikes out a whole bunch of guys. I saw highlights of him last week. Strikeouts are extreme. Yes. He, he struck out 142 in 94 innings. Yes. Yeah. I saw highlights Almost. of the game uh, last week uh, of his. On Sports Center, so yes. yes, I am familiar with this guy. He, I, I love him. I think he's going to be excellent. I want to pick him for the Cy Young next year. ERA right around three this year. Has a couple rough starts every now and then, but boy, those strikeouts never gives up home runs. Uh, Thirteen and a half strikeouts per nine innings, which is obscene for a starter. They see he pitched a couple innings last year, and they started him out of the bullpen as like a long reliever this year just to get him in there. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, they'll go over 100 innings, and that's an issue, the innings limit. But damn, you know, mm-hmm. Braves would have run they had last year, but this guy, he is their best starter. Uh, so, yeah, Spencer Strider, he's a big candidate for, for player of the year for the whatever the hell this is, the player of the week. So, yes, okay. And that's how, how good he's been. And how about your hitter? Hitters have been tough. I go for pitchers for days here. Hitters. <laughs> hitters, I, I don't know. Let's see. Who? Let me take a peek here. I mean, you could say Aaron Judge if you wanted to, but I guess. No, we need, no, we no. Need, we want we need guys that are somewhat obscure. There's a couple guys on my team that I've met. It might be too early for them. They've only been up for a couple weeks. I like them, but I need a little bit more. Sample size on these guys. Oh, hitter. Hitter's tough. Um, I'm going to take a guy here from, I got two guys in mind. Uh, I'll take this guy from Kansas City. Whit Merrifield got traded to Toronto a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Let open up a spot here for another second baseman. His name is Michael Massey. Okay. M-M-A-S-E-Y. And he's done tremendous since he's been up. He's in 341 since he's been up. He's, what, been in 14 games, been up a couple weeks. So, um, yeah, he's been good. So, we'll see if he turns into something. But, yeah, he's only played 14 games. Michael Massey, infielder, second baseman for Kansas City at 341. It was first couple weeks, got four doubles. So, I like him. He's, he's a very dark horse. All right. <laughs> Currently 0 for 2 right now in yes. the second game of this uh, series with the Twinkies. So there you go. Michael Massey of Kansas City and Spencer Strider. No, he did, uh, does it. Oh, he did have 21 home runs last year. Had 16 this year in the minors. So he's got a little bit of power. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he, uh, he becomes somebody. All right. <laughs> there you go. Spencer Strider. Pitcher for Atlanta, Michael Massey, uh, hitter for Kansas City, your hitter and pitcher of the week, sponsored by nobody. Speaking of sponsored by nobody, um, we should be sponsored by LeVar Ball right now, uh, but we're working on that deal. Uh, but the NBA has uh, announced their, their, or the, the reports are of the Christmas slate. The Grizzlies are going to play the Warriors. That kind of headlines things. Uh, Knicks play... 
Philadelphia, Boston plays Milwaukee, Lakers play Dallas, and Phoenix plays Denver, I think, if I saw that correctly. But of note here, and not to get into a political conversation at all, but it is worth noting that the NBA is not having any games on election day this year, and it's a midterm election, so it's not like it's a presidential election, but it's uh, in an effort to get, uh, you know, to do some good in the community, try and urge people to vote. Because uh, there is a a lot is at stake here in November this year, almost more than what we've seen in recent years. Uh, certainly for a midterm, uh, just with the direction that the country may go. Um, so I think it's worth noting that the NBA is not having any games on Election Day this year. That's good. I like that. I think the abortion thing is going to be a big boost to the uh, how many people vote voter turnout. I would agree, Republic, but this, F- this FBI raid is kind of swinging yeah. momentum a little bit the other way. So you've got you know, Republicans looking to, to gain control again, and they might, but... The Kansas uh, abortion ban didn't go through, so that was good news. And Kansas definitely not a, a blue state. And that's a sign of potentially so, of things to come. If that's yeah. if it if it was I mean, that overwhelmingly, just yeah. mm-hmm. huge huge voter turnout mm-hmm. for 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 like one thing on the ballot. I don't, I don't know if there was any other thing on the ballot. I think that might have been the only thing. There was a couple other races there that was a huge voter turnout. So it would be interesting to see if you were to put abortion uh, and people vote in every state, what would happen. I would say the vast majority would vote uh, to keep it. So mm-hmm. even to say like South Dakota, I'd be interested in that. So you've got that. I think that'll help to turn out. Hopefully you got the FBI raid, which is going to be all over the news. And, you know, there are some consequences to being an idiot. So that's what we're seeing now. So hopefully this is the thing that I don't know, maybe puts them away. And the thing about it is that you see that, like, before he left office when he was president, he signed something into law making what he did an even, even stiffer penalty, like a felony. Like, he signed into law that if you take classified documents out of the office, it is a felony or it is, it's, it's a worse crime than it was before. Yes, and it, I've seen a video of him talking about that from 2016 as well. So, yeah, these so uh... it, if this if this is the one if this is the thing that finally takes him down or puts him in jail or something, poetic justice, just the best. <laughs> an idiot being an idiot for you know so, increasing the penalty for something that in the next couple of years you will end up doing mm-hmm. is just the perfect thing to for you know years of being dumb. So it's it, not again like like you know a couple of years ago when it was all over the news like every week every couple of weeks there'd be something bigger and better and crazier mm-hmm. and you know you, you, you know, like you would you could suggest anything and it wouldn't be ridiculous you su- you could suggest anything and it'd be like yeah that could happen yep and now this this is great. This is fantastic. Do want to thank Liz Cheney for her service, um, uh, and history will remember her kindly. Um, Who? Liz Cheney. Oh yeah, she probably get voted out tonight. So yeah. we'll see. Yep. So, uh, but we haven't heard the last 
of her yet, uh, and certainly with the January 6th committee and whatnot. But I just want to read in part from this uh, report from the Associated Press on the NBA having Election Day off that uh, the NBA is hoping teams use that night uh, the, the on November 7th as an opportunity to encourage fans to get out and vote, plus amp- amplify the need for civic engagement. But on November 8th, which is Election Day, no NBA teams have games scheduled. Teams are being encouraged to share election information, such as registration deadlines, with their fan bases in the weeks leading up to November 8th. So it is a civic engagement day, um, pretty much. Uh, So, again, I think that the NBA, unlike any other sport, has been very proactive in trying in, in in voicing their political um, opinions on, or, or trying to get into the political realm or the political arena, or just saying like encouraging people to go vote. However, with that being said, they're awfully quiet on the China deal, which is um, I think worth noting that it could be viewed as slightly hypocritical. But with what the NBA is trying to do here in the United States, I do think that that is worth noting. Uh, that they are ahead of the other leagues, certainly, when it comes to this. Yeah, they, uh, they like to do it much more. Baseball doesn't really do anything. And the NFL is a joke. So, yeah, NBA does, does do some good things. I'm just looking quick at what the NHL has, because the NHL should have done something here. And, of course, they did not. Um, they have a whole bunch yep. of games slated for that night. If anything, it should have just been games um, in Canada or just teams featuring Canadians. So a missed opportunity by the NHL. Like They have a whole slate of games. It's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. So almost you know over half the league is in action there, 22 of the 32. That's a... The, there again, that's where the NBA uh, gets over the NHL uh, with decisions like that. That the NHL probably should have recognized that as well. And I've said this many times. I'll say it again before we get to November. Vote as early as you can. Don't wait until the day. I don't think I've ever voted election day. Whenever I vote, it's always been well before. You hear about long lines and this and that. And- you know, well, there's not enough polling places. You can, you know, depending on where you're at, absentee voting, you can vote mm-hmm. vote a month, up to a month, if not longer, before the election. So, you know, election day, national holiday, I don't really care. But vote the day before, vote the week before, vote the weekend before, vote the month before. Figure out where you got to go, take that time and get it done. Because there's no excuse not to. Like, it's, yep. election day is not the only time you can vote. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Right. Say, oh, here's election day, second uh, Tuesday of the month. There's the only day I can vote. No, you can vote a month, at least a month before, mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. So, And so much is at stake. It is your constitutional right to vote. It is your right as a U.S. citizen, and it's the way to voice your opinion. I always say it's kind of like if you play the lottery, you can only say what if if you play. I feel like it, when, you're, when you're voting here, if your candidate doesn't win, you have more of a reason – like you have that right to gripe about what's going on because at least you voted. Those that don't vote don't really have the ground to state what they they think because they they had an opportunity to do something in the election and they chose not to. That's kind of how I view it. 
There was a story, some city on Long Island, New York, there's like a half million people in this town. I saw a story today where they had, a, they had an election and nobody voted. What? Because people didn't obviously know there was an election going on. Mm. They didn't uh, explain that very well. No. So it was it was to it was to determine whether or not first responders their retirement age can go from sixty five down to sixty. And they had a election and nobody voted. Hmm. That. That's a missed opportunity. You need to get word out, and the NBA is certainly doing their part to get out and vote, and I imagine other leagues, probably not the NFL, but uh, we'll, we'll try and follow likewise. Anything else that we need to get to before we say so long? We've got our governor race here. There's been a lot of commercials on TV. Mm-hmm. And our governor is awful. Yes. And she's probably going to win again. Even though she doesn't care about the state of South Dakota, she cares about it because she never spends any time in the state. If Trump doesn't run, I think she'll take a crack at it. If he does run, I'm sure she'll be in the mix for vice president. Because last time she won, it was like six years ago or so, six, seven years ago, she won re-election to the House. And then it was literally not even a week later she announced she was going to run for governor. The, 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 the Republican strategy, the Trump strategy, her strategy of coming up with solutions for problems that don't exist. Because mm-hmm. their, their record is poor. They don't accomplish anything of note. So they have to make up a problem, solve the problem, that never existed, then they can say, see, look at this thing that I did. I solved this problem, but it never happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Critical race theory, whatever the hell that means. That's not an issue really anywhere. Definitely not an issue in this state. She passed something this week concerning that. It's not an issue, but she passed something to stop that. Wasn't that the right to, like, to teach more about, like, like slavery history and, and slavery yeah. and yeah. maybe things that are not very good that happened in this country. Yeah. So just basic facts, you know, not everything in this country is good, but they don't want to do that. So she passed that. So we can't teach that or whatever that means. Something they made up. Um, it's not a problem here. It's not taught here. It's something they make up. Um, mm-hmm. you've done that a couple times. Uh, the, the transgender thing with, boys becoming girls doesn't happen here hasn't happened i think it's maybe once or twice in the last decade not a problem not an issue but they they pass something and now she can say hey see this i'm stopping boys from playing girl sports even though it never happens no there's one there was one more one more thing like that or it's like a problem that doesn't exist and something's passed to stop it my yeah, this this is not an issue. So that's their strategy. They just make shit up. But when they need it. when they need the help, boy, they come running, don't they? Yeah. So it's that's the strategy. Jamie Smith, he's the Democrat. I think he'd be a good governor. Mm-hmm. He's probably not, probably not going to win. So yeah, we got four more years. So what are the latest polls showing in that? I don't think there has been one yet. 
don't think there's been one yet. It is so. a, it is amazing that um, he's saying debate me and she won't and she's calling out no. South Dakota Public Broadcasting and stuff like that or her campaign is and it's amazing that people can't see through that or like that's that's the Trump thing and I guess he's big friends with Corey Lewandowski. It's the strategy of, of what I just said and the strategy of pick fights with the media, even though there's no fight to pick. I mean, Christ, we're about as dull as a fucking state can get. And she's trying to make all these controversies because that's what they do. They that's that's what the, the Trump strategy is. That's what works so well for him. Well, when you make make shit up. Yeah, when you're backed into a corner constantly, you have to kind of swing your way out and fight, you know, come out swinging, and that's kind of what they always do. Yeah. So she made the decision years ago to become a national figure, so that's what she wants to be. So that's why she, I mean, you know, Mike Rounds and Dennis Dugard, they were fine governors. You really didn't hear much about them, because why the fuck would you? There's nothing to talk about. Mm -hmm. But you hear about her all the time. With stupid shit that and never for doesn't anything matter. good. Never for anything. Like we're good. we're talking about her now, so that's what she wants. Yep, it is indeed. Anything else we need to get to? Should be about it. All right, yeah. you have a great rest of your week. Oh, wait a sec. Uh, one one oh, thing. Boy. One other thing we need to talk about: these cereal scented candles. What oh, the hell? Wait, Christ you just send me a picture of this on you know Facebook Messenger. Like why? Why? Like. What yeah. what are we doing here as a country where we need Lucky Charms scented candles? What the hell is up with that? Never go to Target. Went to Target in Sioux Falls. Look around, and we stumble upon candles. They're ten dollars a piece. Candles that I guess are supposed to be scented like cereals. They've got the cereal wrapper and logo on the outside of it. Never seen that before. We talked last year about the stupid cereals that are out there. Yeah. And now the cereals are breaking away from the cereals and going to candles. Honey Red Cheerios kind of smelled like honey. It was fine. Uh, what else was there? Cocoa Krispies, the, the chocolate cereal. They had Lucky Charms. They had tricks. What the fuck do tricks smell like? There's like it's just a sugary type smell. There's really not much smell to a lot of these cereals. It's just sugar. And uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I think that would taste and, and smell like cinnamon. There are like five or six of these. And I'm like, I, take me now. I've seen it all. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm coming, nothing, Elizabeth. No, nothing more. Nothing more I need to see. It Fuck. Is, it's, it's stupid. It's like somebody, somebody came up with that probably years ago. Yep. Let's make this cereal into a scent. Yep. Well, that's a great idea. Let's get that going. Like, all right, so that's why I saw him target on Sunday. It is it is amazing. It is amazing. Also, just one other note here. Uh, the Marlins uh, had 16 straight games where they uh, have scored three runs or fewer. Uh, headed into Tuesday night's game with the Padres. And right May now, I say, they, they've got a great pitcher. Alcantara. Alcantara is beautiful. Uh -huh. He is excellent. He's a, he's a rare guy that goes seven, eight innings. He's got three three complete games. Three. If the Twins get a starter into the seventh, 
It's it is. I don't remember the last time. It has been at least a month. It's cause for celebration. Also, the Rays pitcher who had the perfect game yeah. Sunday uh, going into the ninth Wait. inning before giving up that hit. Uh, Rasmussen. Uh, yep. That's, he only had a perfect game. Yep. And gives up the one hit there. That's a that's a bummer. It's been a while since you've had an all-hitter. They were quite regular for a while. But yeah, Al, Al, Alcantara, 173 innings. You'll get well over 200 innings. ERA under two. Uh, he he should win the Cy Young, I'm thinking, of the National League. So he's having, he's having a great year. He is. He's very, very good. Fun to watch. Fun to watch. Well, you have a great rest of your week, my friend. And we will uh, we'll chat again next week. All right. We'll see you. Travis Krins joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast, as always here. Kind enough to spend some time. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. College football, baseball, some basketball, and uh, yeah, uh, plenty uh, to get to. And we will talk plenty more college football here coming up next, but also in the weeks to come as we are... uh, Week zero is less than two weeks away. The official kickoff of the college football season on Labor Day weekend is fast approaching. We will talk about more college football with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten uh, with Charlie Hildebrand coming up here. But uh, first, let me tell you that the pod- this podcast, the Sports Block Podcast, is available on podcast.com. Follow me on, as well as iTunes, just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Sacken, Facebook Nathan Sacken, Travis is on Twitter at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, Big Ten and Pac-12. Those are the conferences we preview next with Charlie Hildebrand. Coming up next on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes.